0: Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically... Helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the
1: top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You, you have an iPad, you got a paper-like... And I'm sure it's, it feels just
0: right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil, to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic.
1: The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So to pick up your paper like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click buy paperlike and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com ajax to get started. Clytus, I'm
0: bored.
1: What plaything can you offer me today?
0: Ajax to bring back his body. Ah! X! Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you, Chris? I'm okay. I am excited for my trip that is coming
1: up, which I will I'm very excited, yes. Later in the episode. Uh but uh th- that's that's on the horizon. Uh got got other cool stuff to to come up. I was in a cool place last weekend. I'll talk yeah, about
0: that. I'm I'm glad that we're gonna talk about that because I do want to talk about that picture you sent me. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. uh huh we will we will do that and uh it's gonna be a fun time. I hope you're doing okay.
0: I'm doing good, Matt, and I am I am actually feeling good. I am in the midst of a uh, of a little bit of a bachelor week. Uh, yeah, AC boy. took herself onto on a little bit of a trip, uh, solo trip. So I've had the house to myself. Well, I've had the house to myself with this shrieking goblin I live with. Yeah, yeah. Named uh, Biscuit the dog, who last night during D anD D, one of the players was like. Oh, she's she's having a hard time, and I was I went no, no, she's not. She's having a perfectly lovely evening. I was very frustrated, but I love <laughs> her and I sing her little songs.
1: Well, Chris, we've got a fun show for everybody uh, this week. We're going to answer some listener questions, and Buddy, I I've I've made the executive decision that we're going Twitter free.
0: We're, we're, people, we're finally abandoning that sinking ship.
1: Yes, people may not know this until they hear this, but listener questions are exclusively a Discord and Blue Sky thing now. I started a Blue Sky account for War Rocket Ajax. So beg your friends for an invite to there if you don't have one. Because that's where I'm going to be taking questions from now on. I'll also take some Tumblr questions, maybe, this time around. Tumblr's back, baby. Tumblr's back. But Twitter, which has a different name now that I would rather not say. uh, No more. No more. They changed the name of that website to the letter X. And don't even make it say... In the style of X-Men Children of the Atom. X when you tweet.
0: Like, I am so embarrassed to have that. Like, I have been. I primarily use that website uh, to find good deals on video games. Yeah. These days. And now I am just embarrassed. When I open the little folder, I've got it in on my phone, and I see that dumb new icon. Someone said it looks like a... (laughs) You might have to cut this one out, but someone said it looks like uh, the logo of a bar that specializes in human trafficking in Budapest. Uh Uh-huh. And that's (laughs) very accurate.
1: It's very accurate. I'm just saying, every time you hit that button, it should go X. And maybe... Wolverine should say, berserker or Barrage?
0: Uh, I agree. Well, I don't, I don't agree. Because I don't want my beloved Mary Marvel mutants associated with that complete nonsense garbage fire run by an idiot. <laughs> Chris,
1: before we get into our listener questions, we do have some business to take care of. Our first bit of business is thanking our newest supporters over on the website patreon
0: now matt don't don't tease me do we have some to thank we do okay well matt these are the people and i've got one in mind this week okay these are the people who've gone down to 646 gimmick street matt you know what's there please tell me what's there it's the dispensary baby (laughs) because you know what is now legal in the great state of minnesota Oh, it happened. It happened. It is. It is it is uh, as of this week, it is in effect. It's just in time for Matt Weedson to visit.
1: The the whole dynamic of my trip has changed.
0: It in really has <laughs> <laughs> really, here's, here's the thing. David Wolken and I were talking the other day, and he said that in order to encourage donors, uh that that we should do something uh, when we hit the the funny weed number, and I forget what he suggested, but i didn 't like it because it sounded like a lot of work, so what I suggested was, how about when we hit the funny weed number, Chris Sims and Matt Weedson do the show live 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 to tape, yeah, yeah, yeah with with the legality that now exists in the great state of Minnesota. It is an idea. It is an idea. I think it would be fun. Uh, Sure. Yes, it would be fun. I agree. So Matt, while they're down at the dispensary and they're saying, hey, I would love to get those dudes on substances that are now perfectly legal in the great state of Minnesota, they should also go to patreon.com slash Ajax, because they can contribute to things that we spend our money on. Like that. But I I will say, more importantly, those gimmicks they keep sending the mail called bills.
1: That's right, Chris. Uh, We do have some new names to read out. I want to preface this with the caveat that some kind of weird malfunction happened with Patreon this month, causing us to lose like 20 Patreon backers. We went down from like 400-something to like 380-something. And we actually were some of the luckiest ones as far as the effect of whatever this thing was on Patreon. Like, some people were saying they lost as many as, you know, 30% of their patrons. So... If you were a Patreon backer and you got some kind of message about how you didn't it didn't go through at the end of July or at the start of August, uh please go resubscribe on Patreon uh and and get back up with your with your donation if you are so inclined. And do that for your other Patreons as well. It's it was some kind of Patreon wide issue, and I don't really know what it is. And they've promised to fix it, but I think for a lot of people, it's just going to be going back and resubscribing to the Patreons that they lost. So, uh, that's the caveat. And with that in mind, I might be rereading some names of people who were already patrons who had to re up because I don't know who's new and who was subscribing before. But here are our newest patrons, Chris. Robbo. Thank you, Robbo. Dan Yost. Ah,
0: Dan Yost. Thank you, Dan Yost. Robert Young. Thank you, Robert. And Gritty Reboot. Thank you, Gritty Reboot. Dan, I think, has has been a Patreon uh, subscriber for a while. Dan Yost, uh, a referee of some talent.
1: Mm, Yes. And, And I may be rereading some names in the near future, but uh, thank you to people who resubscribe if uh, you got unsubscribed in the weird Patreon blip of August 2023. If you would like to be a new patron, here's the cool stuff that you get by doing that. One, you support us, which isn't that gift enough. But you also get ad free episodes of all the shows that we do. This show every week, Every Story Ever every month, Comics Catch Up every month, and Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. Um, You get every single one of those shows ad free while you support them. You can also get other cool rewards, including bonus content, whether that be bonus audio that we record or bonus writing that Chris does. I've also done a little bit of bonus writing over on the Patreon, but Chris has mostly done the bonus writing in the form of video game reviews on the patreon uh there's line stepping privileges for our segments including thursday night raw and every story ever and there are physical rewards everybody who got this year's t-shirt should have received their t-shirt by now if you have not received your t-shirt and you are at that level as a recurring active patron on patreon let me know and i'll make sure that you get a shirt uh make sure to update you your address on patreon and everything uh but everybody should have gotten a shirt by now who's at that level so if any of that sounds cool to you like something you would want head over to patreon and help us out if you're unable to help us monetarily and things happen you can't always do that. You can help us out in other ways. You can leave us a five star review on the podcasting app that you use—Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Or uh, you can just spread the word about the show, give us some good word of mouth, let people know that there's a podcast you like, and that they should listen to it. Chris, with that, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. So Chris, what are you checking in with this week,
0: Matt, my friend, my good buddy? It's my birthday.
1: It is your birthday, and it is why I'm coming to visit you very soon.
0: I am I am so excited. I'm I'm so excited to to have you in the town to, to, to when weed's legal. <laughs> I have only experienced – look, we're not turning into a podcast where two dudes just talk about weed. Yet. I'm not going to say that's not going to happen, but who knows. (laughs) Uh, But I have only experienced Matt Weedson once in my life, and it's fucking delightful.
1: I'll say this. Uh, My wife – weed is technically not legal yet in North Carolina, even though it is – being considered and worked on currently, but all the sort of like pseudo weed is available everywhere now. Mm -hmm. And so my wife will occasionally buy like Delta nine gummies or whatever. And I've, I've tried some and all it does all the time is just make me pretty, make me a sleepy boy. Hmm. So, I, I think
0: that might be what happens to me now, is <laughs> I just get sleepy. Well, I have a story, if you'll forgive me a tangent. Please. I have only done the weed gummies, I think, four times total? Maybe five? Okay. Some of them were uh, brought to me from the great state of Massachusetts. Uh, and the thing is the the ones that i like are the ones that that give you kind of the body high but not the the brain one
1: the head because high
0: it, yeah it just makes me feel like i'm i'm pleasantly drunk without being drunk which is nice you know for a day at the minnesota state fair it's great uh but then i we got some uh and uh i took one from the state of new york city new york manhattan
1: Right, the state of New York City, New York, Manhattan. Manhattan.
0: And I took one of those for like a pleasant afternoon on my wedding anniversary. And it made me so tired. And I just like was out of it. And I like went to bed. And according to my wife, I was, I was, quote, sleeping like a four year old. She was like, "Yeah, you had taken off your jeans, but like your you had your shirt on, but it was like kind of pulled up over your belly." I was out of it. We had re- we had dinner reservations. I had to get up and go to dinner. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, then what I found out was that one was uh, five times the dosage that I had been taking previously. I see. Yeah, so I'm pretty careful. About about mine. Uh, that was the most recent time I have tried it. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's my birthday, man. I'm turning uh, 41 years old, which is a very exciting age for me to be. Looks like we made it. That's right. The Over the hump. Come now, baby. So I did what you do when you turn 41. Uh, kind of the the tradition that, like, you know, if you're a a person of a certain age. I'm sure you've done this, Matt. You can look forward to doing it uh, next year. Of course, I went to the Mall of America and I bought a Lego set that cost me 500 American dollars. <laughs> uh, I bought fucking Rivendell. I was gonna get the Batcave, which was only 300 dollars. Uh huh. But they had it right next to Rivendell. And I was like, ah, this set's really cool, and it does come with a Christopher Walken. But I don't love Batman Returns. Like, it's probably my least favorite of those four movies of the Burton-Schumacher era. But I'll tell you what I do love, and that is The Lord of the Rings. Unimpeachable. So I bought this Lego set. It fucking rules. It's currently the only Lord of the Rings Lego set in production. So if you if you want a little if you want a little Frodo, you got to drop some bills on him. <laughs> I am about 10% of the way through putting it together. I have been watching the Lord of the Rings movies while I put it together this week. Again, bachelor week. You know, we're getting the bad pizza, we're watching Lord of the Rings, we're building some Legos. Yeah, um, you got to do what you got to do. T- t- two of those things I could do easily with my wife around, and in fact, she's mad at me that I got it while she was out of town, and so she can't help me put it together. But, uh, spoiler warning for her birthday present, I also got hers and Legos. I am about halfway through Return of the King. Matt, it's a big fucking set. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you're going to have to do another watch-through. You're going to have to watch the extended editions
0: oh, as you do the don't ring. think I haven't been watching the extended editions. Here's what I have come to realize. I'm going to have to watch those goddamn Hobbit movies. Oh, no. I, don't do that. That's, that's I a mean, bridge I, too like, far. What here. am I supposed to do, Matt? What am I supposed to do it, once I'm watch out of Lords of the, of the Rings? Watch the good ones again. I don't know, man. I don't want them to lose their specialness. That's true. I'll tell you that's what, true. Though. If, uh, if, you don't, if you don't, like, get emotions, if you don't feel it in your soul when Sam talks about how it's, it's like it is in the stories when things are bad, and maybe you don't even want to know how it ends, because how could it work out okay? But that's one of the most important stories. If you don't get emotions over that, I do not fuck with you.
1: I always get in my feelings when they bow to the hobbits. at The end. Oh,
0: you bow to no one. Oh, fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent. uh, I sent. I see a like. I took a video of the TV screen when uh, when they light those beacons of Amundine, and an old boy runs into runs into the room and he goes, "The beacons, the beacons of Minas are lit." Gondor calls for aid, and fucking Theoden goes. And Rohan Wallanza. I sent that to her and you can hear me go fuck yeah in that video. <laughs> Those are good ass movies, dude. They are. They're good. Well
1: talking speaking of something being good ass, Chris. I went to a good ass place last weekend, despite it being sweltering boiling hot. I went to Dollywood. For the day on Saturday. And uh, I rode a couple of roller coasters. I did become gripped with fear on my second roller coaster ride that my glasses were going to come flying off on a roller coaster. So I had to stop.
0: But But it didn't
1: happen. It didn't happen. I I did not lose them. Well, the second roller coaster I rode, I rode without glasses on. I took them off, and that was not good. I didn't like that. I because everything, okay. everything was blurry and disorienting.
0: And well, so, the fact that I know about you and your yeah. wife, mm-hmm. Marlene, also like it was very funny when you and me and Marlene and AC were all at Dollywood. Marlene is like me, she does not like roller coasters, which is an endless source of frustration uh to AC, that I don't like them. So you yeah. two went on while Marlene and I hung out, which is great. Yeah. So I was sitting here thinking, not just give your glasses to Marlene.
1: Because Marlene a roller
0: wrote... is not like a visual experience. It is though.
1: Like, well, okay, I guess I could just close my eyes. But that's not what I want to do either. What I want to do is get on the roller coaster and see where I am so I don't get motion sickness. I, I don't know why that prevents me from getting motion sickness on a roller coaster, but it does, if I could see. But if everything's blurry, it's really disorienting. So, yeah, on my second roller coaster ride without glasses. Because the first one was the one where I was like, oh, my glasses could come off. And then they'll be gone. <laughs> And Then I have to spend the whole rest of this trip without my glasses not seeing, which would would have been bad uh it's so I took them off on the second one, and I was disoriented on that one, so i just I didn't do any more of that. I didn't do any more roller coasters after that, but Marlene what? rode both both of those roller coasters with me, despite the whole time being like "I hate roller
0: coasters."
1: <laughs> she screamed. As loud as I've ever heard her scream on the first one. I've as
0: heard. she should. Yeah. yeah. That's what those things are designed for, man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, to make you feel your mortality? Yes. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like feeling those emotions.
1: <laughs> you don't like you notably don't like being scared.
0: I don't like being scared and I don't like being bummed out and people like to think that's weird about me. <laughs>
1: We saw so many children going on roller coasters that were more advanced than you would think they'd be going on. And then I had—I said this to Marlene, and then realized what I said when I just said to her, "They don't fear death." And <laughs> I—it was like I had like a revelatory moment when I said that. Um, hmm, but we well, did all the
0: other mortality from a very young age. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, we did all the other fun stuff at Dollywood. We uh, t- saw some some shows. It, we didn't like actually really sit down for shows, uh, but we like had shows in the periphery. We saw Dolly's recreation of her house. Unfortunately, the part of the park that is like the shrine to Dolly mm-hmm. uh, was closed. Like her like personal hall of fame. Uh, it was closed oh, for renovation. Like,
0: that's like the best part, though.
1: I know it was closed for renovations,
0: so we couldn't go. But they probably had uh, to add a new wing to reflect that uh, Dolly cured COVID. Probably that's probably why. Uh,
1: No joke, that's probably why it's closed for renovations. Uh, But oh, and I also was like, I wonder if people, like, you know, people who wear like Gadsden flags and shit, are gonna not come to Dollywood anymore because of her contributions to. The COVID vaccine?
0: Uh, no, God, they, don't so. oh. they don't care. they don't care. Just FYI. imagine that the, those people don't really have the strength of their convictions. Interesting. That's yes, yeah. yeah. I, I not expected that.
1: Hmm. Definitely ate cinnamon bread. Sent you a picture of it, basically gone because I forgot yeah. to take a picture.
0: You sent me a picture of an empty cinnamon bread tin, which is uh-huh. fucking funny
1: i i was like i realized after we had literally basically eaten the whole thing i forgot to take a picture of this (laughs) and uh and so i sent you yeah a picture of an empty tin essentially
0: uh it was hilarious because a it was like hey not only is 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 this the thing that we have talked about at length that we both like that you did not have but also, of, of course, the cinnamon bread was in front of you. You cannot do anything but eat the cinnamon bread.
1: Yeah, I could not take a picture. Until no one it has was...
0: ever taken a picture of that cinnamon bread.
1: That's true. You can't. It, you're, you're compelled to eat it before you take a picture of it. Um, yeah. I will say this. It was incredibly hot. It was unbearably hot, almost. It, the last weekend of July was... Such such a time to go to Dollywood. The cinnamon bread was hot and it was hot, making the experience of cinnamon bread slightly worse. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say it was bad because it wasn't. It was great. Oh. But it was hot. And by the time it was like mid afternoon, I I was essentially done. <laughs> it was it I couldn't do it anymore. The, good, the one good thing about Dollywood is there's, like, plentiful free water. So you can walk around and dr- get water and drink water and stay hydrated in the heat. But man, oh man, was it hot. As soon as we left, there was a huge thunderstorm. Uh, and so the four of us, because we went with some friends, the four of us went to, in our, like, sweat-covered... Clothes, we just were like, okay, our the cabin that we have is at the top of this huge hill. We don't want to go up that in the rain, so we're just gonna to go to this restaurant. And so we just showed up at this restaurant, like it's raining, we've been sweating all day, and we just don't care. Um, that that is the true Pigeon Forge experience, I feel
0: like. <laughs> well, Matt, uh, I have two questions for you, please. Uh, number one. Did you go to the world's largest knife store? No, I, I... You didn't go to the world's largest knife store knowing I had a birthday coming up? If
1: I had been in charge of the activities, I would have insisted. But I didn't want to force people who didn't seem interested to not go. So that's, we didn't go. They, wait, they weren't interested in knives? They weren't interested in the world's largest knife store, no.
0: That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess this isn't really a question. Just It's a hope for you. I, I hope that maybe you can go to, next time you go to Dollywood, it's in a more pleasant temperature, yeah. a more pleasant environment to go to Dollywood.
1: Yeah. Um, don't go in the tail end of July. That's the yeah. lesson I learned.
0: Maybe go at the tail end of November.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say this. Uh, I'm really getting to the point where Airbnbs, I'm completely done with them. We rented that cabin on Airbnb, and the problem with this one was wasps in the bathroom. That's a terrible place for wasps to be. We walked into that bathroom, and we saw one wasp. Then we saw two. Then we saw three. Then it was like six. We had to leave, go buy wasp spray, because we could not contact the owners of the place. And spray for wasps, spray those wasps, and then there were more throughout the weekend that we had to spray. I could not find a nest. It, uh, I've had a problem with every Airbnb I've had for the last like four years.
0: Oh yeah, Airbnb, not a sponsor, and could not be. I don't could think. Could not be. Well, yeah. there's an amount of money. I think there was a time when Airbnbs were like pretty good. And now they're just like it's that time is over. That time is over. They might as well change their name to X. <laughs> uh, Chris, let's
1: make some uh, quick recommendations. What do you have to recommend,
0: Matt? I kind of just want to recommend this five hundred dollar Lego set, but I know that that no one is going to want that. I mean, maybe they will. I, I mean, you don't it's know. It's pretty fucking cool. It it has the shards of Narsil in it, Matt. That makes it worth five hundred dollars. Yeah, F- to me, you know, yeah. you know how much I love uh, Anduril. Speaking of the Batcave, there's a version of the Batcave
1: from The Batman that you can buy. There is. That's not. Uh, I mean, it's much cheaper.
0: Yeah, but like, what I want is that Shadow Box. Like the Bat, the Batcave set that I did almost buy is extremely cool. And even though Batman Returns is not like my my favorite batman like it is a phenomenally dope set that it that like folds into a shadow box it's like super cool
1: okay uh, gotcha
0: but yeah like i i will uh there's also um a uh, batman 66 batcave that i did not get when it was in production and now it's like 900 dollars. <laughs> and i guess fuck me then Fuck me in particular on that one. Uh, but instead, I do want to recommend something that I actually had not yet taken advantage of, uh, which is that the the PlayStation Plus, whatever the, I think, second tier membership is, uh, I went and browsed the game library, and it turned out that there were games in there, there were a couple games in there that I had actually bought uh, on Steam, uh, it's uh, I
1: don't. That's the extra tier that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, that I I had bought uh, on Steam, so you know I'm, I don't regret the purchase, but uh, I would have maybe tried them out there first. But there were also games that like I was really like I I almost bought both of the Dragon Quest uh, Muso games are on there. Dragon Quest Eleven is on there. If you've never played that, and uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which was last week's recommendation. Uh a Six is on there so much stuff that I was genuinely surprised that i i hadn't realized was just available now to me i don't love the subscription model of you know things that i'm used to owning uh but I do think that that is a like they have done their best to to give you your money's worth on that I think. Uh so definitely um if you haven't actually gone and looked go go check out uh the, the PlayStation Plus Extra collection. Uh Dragon Ball Fight list so many games that we have recommended are on there.
1: Uh Yeah, I without realizing it, I let my PlayStation Plus expire and mm-hmm. I'm considering doing that like extra tier when I re-up it, so I may just do that.
0: Yeah. Uh I I would highly recommend it because there's enough games on there that uh I I downloaded like four or five games that I was either like like I <laughs> here's the saga of me and these damn Dragon Quest Muso games. I bought them on PlayStation. And then I was like, ah, these are great games to just, like, play. Like, I would love to play this game in bed, you know? Like, like it's such a mindless game. It's such a great end-of-the-day game to just hit this button. Like, it's a Musou game, you know? It's a Dynasty Warriors, if you're unfamiliar. Uh, so I sold them back to GameStop, and I was going to get them on Steam. Those games are not supported on Steam Deck. So even if I bought them there, I would not be able to play them. And they're also, like, five times as expensive on Steam for some reason. <laughs> But they're on there now. You can just play them for free, which is nice. So uh, go check that stuff out. It's it's good. Go play Yakuza. They're fun. Uh, Matt, what is your recommendation for this week? Well, Chris, I would like to continue the trend of not
1: recommending stuff from Struck Studios and the continuing strike from the WGA and SAG. So instead, I'm going to recommend something. I know we've recommended the show as a whole on here before, but I'm going to recommend a specific episode. And I know for a fact that it's also not a Struck production, because it's a documentary series. Uh, it's Dark Side of the Ring, and it is specifically... The episode from this week, the week that we're recording, about Bash at the Beach 2000. The <gasps> episode that sold me on this season. Yeah, I mean, I was going to watch this season anyway, but the one that had me the most hype for this season of Dark Side of the Ring. Because let me, t- I'll tell you, it's not that I dislike the episodes of Dark Side of the Ring that are about like a wrestler having a tragic death. Or otherwise having tragedy in their life. But they can really wear on you. After a while. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of the same stuff, right? Like, drug addiction. Not being around for their family. Some kind of violent attack. Or something like that. Or they did something to harm somebody else. Like, it's a lot of... A lot of that stuff gets repeated in those stories. Not to oh. downplay or belittle those stories because they're all like individual stories of individual people. But when you see them back to back to back, it's it's they can be repetitive, right? Mhm. That's why my favorite episodes of Dark Side of the Ring are the ones about an event that went off the fucking rails.
0: Yeah, the collision in Korea episode is is I have rewatched that one a couple times, it's fascinating.
1: It is. That is the best episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, the Collision in Korea episode is yeah absolutely fascinating. The one about the the plane ride from hell is great. This one about Bash of the Beach two thousand enters that pantheon.
0: Oh, that's so good. Because I, like Bash of the Beach two thousand, that's a show that I. I I have a lot of love for... I, I just love the politics and the bullshit!
1: Yeah. So, for people listening who don't know about Bash at the Beach 2000, it was a WCW pay-per-view um, that there is dispute over whether things went as they were supposed to on the show or not. And... At one point, we watched it like a few hours before we started recording this episode. And at one point, I paused it and I told Marlene, "It is impossible to know who to believe in this because everyone talking, who's giving their side of this story, is a known
0: liar and fabulist." Yeah, it's, because it is a it is a conflict between Hulk Hogan, uh-huh. Eric Bischoff
1: they're David on the same Russo. side. Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan are on the same side. Uh-huh. And then Vince Russo is on the other side.
0: But 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 Bischoff like is on Hulk Hogan's side, but maybe wasn't at the time.
1: Boy, he defends him hard on this episode of The Dark Side of the Ring though. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't know who to believe because everybody's lying. And then at some point in an interview on the show, Dave Meltzer says, it's, it's, two, it's a bunch of stories from a bunch of people who are known liars, so I don't know who to believe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Dave Meltzer just says it in the episode. It's great. Also, I've never seen anything make Jeff Jarrett look better. Jeff Jarrett comes off as the voice of reason in this episode of Dark Side of the Ring, and it's fascinating.
0: I feel like we are in a critical reappraisal of Jeff Jarrett (laughs) that is wild to me. Yeah. But maybe I've been wrong. Because I do kind of like it when he shows up in, in AEW, and everybody's like, fuck this guy!
1: It's weird, right? Like there was a long period where it was just like, ugh, Jeff Jarrett, God. What 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 new company is he starting now? Like, you know, it was like he went through his like dark middle, and now he's hung around long enough to come out on the other side of it. Where he's like golden again. And I I'll tell you, this episode of Dark Side of the Ring does a lot to rehabilitate Jeff Jarrett in my eyes incredible. Cause, Incred- cause,
0: I, I cannot wait to watch it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, if you don't watch any other episode from this season of Dark Side of the Ring, because, again, they can be a lot. Uh, like, a lot of, like, dour, sad stuff. This one doesn't have the dour, sad stuff. It's just a fun episode about a show that was a shit show. Fuck, man. I might watch that tonight. You should. I I, I highly recommend it. Uh, so, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, Bash at the Beach 2000. That's my recommendation. And Chris, with that, let's talk very quickly about some of the comics that came out this week. Let's do it. Chris, I want to start by talking really quickly about X-Men number 25. Uh, which is the start of the fall of x storyline which i mistakenly called death of x a few weeks ago on the show death of x was a whole different story i
0: hope it's actually fall often
1: fall often yes um but this is this is fall of x and i i i won't get into all the plot details of this i will say how much i enjoy uh, The character of Dr. Stasis, who is another Nathaniel Essex clone, so he's like Mr. sinister's brother, and instead of a diamond on his forehead, he's got a club <laughs> oh
0: I didn't know about him, yeah, oh.
1: He, he's he been around through, for this whole Jerry Duggan run on X-Men.
0: Oh, right. buddy.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the thing that is amazing to me about this Fall of X story that started with the Hellfire Gala um, is how much it is coming back around to the stuff from Powers of X and House of X. Like, like Orcus is back, and they figured out a smart way to kind of end all the Krakoa stuff. Like, I have to imagine that this was not the original plan for how this was going to end, right? Because Hickman's gone, and it felt like there was going to be a lot more Moira McTaggart. Mm-hmm. In the story, right? Like Moira's around, but like she's not necessarily like focal, at least not in this issue. But like the way they've brought Orcas back, the way that the gates are a key part of the story, the way that it all focuses on Kate Pride. And boy, does she get a moment that's unbelievably raw in this issue, Chris, (laughs) put, put another one on the Cape Cape pride is raw pile in this one. It's just really well done. And big ups, big props to Jerry Duggan for like, and, and the other people writing X books right now for figuring out a way to kind of bring it all full circle. Cause it seemed to me like, it wasn't necessarily possible once Hickman left, you know, mm-hmm. but they did it. They did it. Uh, or they are doing it. We'll see how fall of X actually wraps up. But so far I'm really impressed with the full circleness of all of it. Uh, up next, uh peacemaker tries hard. Number four, Uh, We've talked about this book. We've talked about how good it is. It's Kyle Starks doing a comic about John Cena as Peacemaker. Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh. And this one has an extended gag where Peacemaker is telling Amanda Waller that Bruce Wayne's been kidnapped and she thinks he means the person, Bruce Wayne, instead of his dog, Bruce Wayne. Mm Mm-hmm. And keeps talking about the dog, Bruce Wayne, and she keeps thinking it's the person, Bruce Wayne. And it's very good.
0: I told AC about Kyle Stark's writing a comic where Peacemaker has a dog and the dog's name is Bruce Wayne. (laughs) And she had the exact same reaction that I did when I saw that, which was, that's good. Oh, (laughs) that's good. Uh, Also, Snowflame is in this issue. I do love Snowflame, Matt. He's the supervillain who's powered by cocaine. And he is introduced as that exactly. It's great. Kyle's great.
1: Steve Pugh's great. Uh, please read this book. It's it's a hoot and a half. Finally, I want to talk about uh, Justice Society of America, number five, which I think more or less wraps up the first arc on the book. Um, this is by Jeff Johns with art by uh, Mikhail Janin and Jerry Ordway. And I was pretty hard on this book's first issue, which did a lot of killing of Justice Societies. But I do have to say, this issue is pretty good. Like it's it's sort of the climax culmination of the Perdegaton story. And it ain't bad. I kinda liked it. And it's got a splash page that I would call, like, frankly, Morrisonian.
0: I am narrowing my eyes so hard, and I know you can't see it, but I'm like so suspicious of you right now. I'm not kidding. Okay, it's not perfect.
1: There's one moment that I think is really cool, and again, I would even call Morrisonian. But also, Degaton gets sent to the Flashpoint
0: universe. <laughs> <sighs> That's exhausting. But, yes. But all in all,
1: I do think this issue, at least, is pretty good. Like, it's got some good stuff with Huntress and Batman, and about how, like, Batman knows that he will die in the future and that Huntress came back to save him. And so he's very like wary of her being there and changing things. Um, And then things do change as a result of her actions. Um, So while not a perfect book, I will say that justice society, this run on justice society has gotten better than it was at the start to Mm -hmm. me. Okay. I believe you. You can you can you can check it out for yourself. I would not be offended if you went and uh, and gave it your own read, Chris. With that, that's it for our comic segment. Let's take some listener questions.
0: Let's do it.
1: Chris, we're going to start with an email sent to us or a question sent to us by email from Lucas Brown. Lucas says, You guys often talk about the rules of writing a particular hero, such as Batman doesn't kill or Spider-Man should always end up down on his luck. But what about villains? Do you personally feel that there are particular things to keep in mind when writing a villain or it feels off? Yes. Do you do you can you think of any immediate specific Examples.
0: Yeah, the Joker should be funny.
1: Like funny for real.
0: Like like for real funny, yeah. The Joker okay. should be funny. Like I, I think it was on this very show where we talked to Greg Rucca, and he was talking about that scene in one of my favorite Joker stories, uh Soft Targets, and uh how he wrote that scene where the Joker is uh like breaks out. Uh, in the interrogation room at the GCPD and then he comes out and <laughs> into the like into the police station and goes, oh no, it's the cops <laughs> <laughs> and like and that made him laugh and he wrote it. And I like I think that's an important thing. Like I think I I think uh Morrison's Joker is funny. Uh I I, I think in a different Literally, kind of way. In a, diff- in a different kind of way, but like, yeah, like, the Joker should be funny. I think people miss that because he's, he's you know, because of the kind of character that, that he's sort of evolved into. But I don't think being funny and scary are different, and as we've talked about, or are too far apart, or mutually exclusive, and as we've talked about, like, they're actually really close. Like, if you can be funny, you can be scary.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I, th- I I think someone who is funny is scarier than someone who's a tryhard. Yeah. Which is, unfortunately, how the Joker has been portrayed more often than not in recent films.
0: Yeah. Because you also, like, I, I think part of it is you also have to be smart to be funny. D- said said the comedy writer to his comedy writer friend.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but you know, you, you have to, th- there has to be, writing a joke and being funny isn't easy. And so I think it makes him seem like more of a challenge. So I think the Joker should be funny. I think when he does stuff, it should be funny. And I also kind of think his stuff should have the cadence of a joke. Like, there has to be a subversion of expectations to what yeah. he does, Yeah, and I don't think you get those things. I I know it
1: goes back to Alan Moore, but the whole con- conceit of the Joker as a
0: failed comic sucks. I mean, I, I don't dislike the idea that he's a failed comic who becomes the Joker, and then the Joker's actually funny, but funny in a way where also he's murdering people. You know, I I think there is something to that. But uh, but I get what you're saying.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I guess the idea that he wasn't funny and then he got turned into the Joker and then he was funny is fine. But I kind of like the idea of like the Joker's just funny. Yeah. Like whoever he was before he was the Joker was also a like he was funny then too. Like I I I'm of the I'm of the feeling like I think there's a tendency to write Dr. Doom as, like, actually, if not infallible, like, very accomplished. And to me, the thing about Dr. Doom is that he's got to be all bluster.
0: The the thing that gets me about Dr. Doom is the, is when people write him as having any sense of like actual nobility. Mhm. When he's the Tom Scioli making a uh Dr. Doom analog and calling him robot Dracula. Yeah. Uh, really unlocked Dr. Doom in my head because like Dracula, he's a monster pretending to be a person. Like the the like I think Byrne wrote him as having that, you know, tragic nobility. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I am more in the camp of Wade, Mark Wade, who said that, like, Dr. Doom is not noble. Dr. Doom would bite a baby's head like an apple if he thought it would hurt Reed Richards. Yeah. 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 I...
1: I like the idea of Doom occasionally doing a good thing because it will show up read. Mm -hmm. That happens sometimes. I I actually like the Ryan North version of Doctor Doom so much. And that Doom story uh, in Fantastic Four what was it? Fantastic Four 600? Or no, it had to be like 800 whatever like the big round number was recently but the doom story in that where it's like he's tried everything and he still fails that's that's doctor doom yeah like he built it's it was 700 he can build the time platform he can like achieve things but he can never actually get anything over the finish line because he always gets in his own way and all of his bombast and, and, and way of presenting himself is like so much more accomplished than anybody is just, you know, he has a literal mask and then he has his figurative mask too. That's that. I feel like that's the key to Dr. Doom.
0: There's an interesting, like character connection that I, I think about with Dr. Doom and Batman, which is that, uh, I believe I'll, I'll get a text from Benito in a second, if I'm wrong about this, but I believe it was Eratosthenes, uh, had the, uh, retroactively unfortunate, uh, nickname beta, uh, uh-huh. um, because he was the second best in the world at everything, which is actually good. And I saw somebody refer to Batman like that Uh, and I forget who it was so if if you are a listener of the show I apologize but it might have been Kevin Maroney actually Uh, but this idea that like Batman is a guy who he's not he's he's not the smartest guy in the world right? Because like Lex Luthor's the smartest guy in the world but Batman's the smartest guy in the world who's also the best at karate like like right. Batman's not the best fighter in the world, but he's the second best, and he's the second best scientist, and he's the second best everything. He learned from people, so he he could train himself to be world class in everything. No one like everyone else, you have to focus to get the silver medal. Uh, if you you know if all you do is is the high jump, but Batman could get the second the silver medal and everything. And I think that's like a really cool way of looking at Batman. And I also think of Doctor Doom that way. But he's the second best in the world at everything and he fucking hates it. Like he's the second smartest guy in the world. He's the second best sorcerer in the world. And it just fucking gets him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like such a great char- like character motivation.
1: Yeah, I I'm fully on board with that. Like yeah. Like that guy. He is he is driven by jealousy in such a way that he's constantly in. I'm not mad. I'm laughing actually. Mode, yeah. you know. But because you know what I
0: mean. The thing that's holding him back is that he won't acknowledge the idea that he could fail. Yeah, and that keeps him permanently as a B plus player. Definitely, definitely. Yeah.
1: Uh, here's a question from blue sky from Austin Wilden who says, is there a DD race you haven't made a character for, but would like to,
0: we were actually talking about this last night, uh, when I was playing, uh, about how there's so many, you know, I, I mostly make NPCs now cause I, I'm kind of a, a forever DM, uh, which I like, I actually prefer running to playing. So I am totally fine with that. Uh, But as a player, I I was talking about how Meadow was, like, the first time I played someone who wasn't a human. Uh, And since then, like, Silver was human, but, like, weird. Like, like, Silver was, you know, a dragon. Believed themselves
1: to be a dragon, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I have actually played, like, there's plenty of, of races I haven't played. Like, I've never played a tiefling. Uh, I've, I've never played like really any of the kind of new ish, uh, fifth edition races. Like I, I never played, I've never played a dragonborn. I've never played a tiefling. I've made characters that are those things, uh, for, as NPCs, but that's, you know, that's kind of different than living with that character for a whole campaign. So, um, I, I would like to play, I would like to play a tiefling, but like, is that, is that stolen valor? Cause I'm not in the LGBT community. I don't know. I
1: mean, I've also played as a tiefling, so who could say? I hope not. You might, I hope want, to I didn't. Some,
0: you might want to interrogate yourself.
1: Nah. I mean, I constantly am doing that. <laughs> uh, I have played as a human. I've played as a tiefling. I've played most recently as a dwarf. But that, dwarf, dwarf. Character, that dwarf character was originally intended to be a half-orc. And for some reason, I think in the system we were playing under, like it wasn't set up for a half-orc or something like that. I'm not sure. But I think I want my next character to be a half-orc. That would be cool. Uh, Here is a question from uh, our Discord server. Uh, This is from... Meriwether,
0: which characters do you have a back pocket pitch for? Batman, but I think everybody has a a Batman plan, uh, a yeah. bat Plan. a Batman bat plan. I have multiple Batman pitches that would be like ready to go. Uh
1: unsurprisingly, but- I have a Spider-Man pitch that I've had for twenty years.
0: Yeah, those are kind of the the big ones. Like I don't I don't have them like I used to when I was more actively pursuing writing superhero comics, but, like, also, like, give me a character, and I can probably come up with a pitch. I've read a lot of these damn things. That's true.
1: That's true. The the only one i definitely, like, have a back pocket, I'd know exactly what I would do if, you know, Marvel Comics emailed me tomorrow, is Spider-Man, more or less. I mean, I have, like... Seeds of ideas for Batman, and I've thought I've thought about what I would do with Superman before, but the most solidified one I have is is Spider Man
0: by a long shot. Yeah, I I think Superman is a difficult character to just have a a pitch ready to go. Uh, the status quo I, of Superman
1: is constantly changing.
0: Yeah. Uh like I was I was talking to uh Ted Anderson this morning. We got breakfast together and I was I was telling him about uh how Mark Wade is currently doing out like kind of continuity free Superman and Batman stories. It is great. Uh and I'm sure that that dude that dude probably has plenty.
1: That dude almost certainly does,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: Uh here's another email question from Jolene who says considering that we know Matt's right and accurate opinion on frozen yogurt why isn't it ice cream i wonder if we could get y'all's opinion on water ice or as non-philadelphia regions have the closest thing to it is italian ice parentheses they are not the same
0: that's like it's like shaved ice right yeah also known as hawaiian ice snow cone snow
1: cone is a slightly different thing but they're all in the same family uh water ice is different. Water ice is what you water get at ice. Rita's. Water ice. It's what you get at Rita's.
0: Okay. It a Rita Rita's is pretty good. Yeah, Rita's pretty good. I what I like they, about, like. they put like ice cream in it though. They put custard in it, yeah. Yeah. That's
1: what I like. I, that, that's what I want. I want it to have a little bit of creaminess to it. Because what I don't love about like shaved ice as a concept is it's just ice with some flavor in it and adding a little bit of like creaminess from the custard to it.
0: That's what makes it good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generally like what I would want from that would be the custard.
1: Yeah. More or less. I, I'm not the hugest fan of like Hawaiian shaved ice or or the very like or a snow cone uh i'd rather have ice cream for i'd rather have hmm, I was about to say I'd rather have frozen yogurt, but i'm hesitating I I'd probably mean, rather have frozen yogurt
0: buddy i'll I'll tell you this i don't i don't fuck with a snow cone i don't fuck with sh- shaved ice if if what you're doing is just putting like shit on ice and I can like watch you do it what <laughs> like, and you want me to give you money for that like I could literally do that at home as easily as I can go out and get it and I wouldn't want to do that at home like I, I have I have no I have no interest in a snow cone and I think it's, I think it, that's in in the words of, of, of Michael McDonald, that's what a fool believes.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question from discord from Brad, the renegade dope dog.
0: That's a good name. Brad asks. Oh, that's, that's cause there's like, I, I dip into the discord every now and then. Yeah. Um, but I find it very stressful to be in there like often. Uh, but I, I've noticed that there's a lot of. Uh, th- there seems to be a lot of, like, Death of Superman esque claiming of the boss dog title.
1: Yes. Ever since. Uh, ever since the original boss dog, Patrick O'Duffy, renounced the title, which he was not allowed to do, other people claimed a dog title, yeah.
0: Yeah. The Renegade Dope Dog is really good. I gotta say. Here's Brad's question.
1: What if there was a totally rad six player universal monsters side scrolling beat 'em up arcade console? I know it would be the raddest thing in the world. Which monster would be your guy, the one you insisted on playing as?
0: Dracula, obviously.
1: You would be Dracula, yeah.
0: Yeah. So who are our players? It's it's Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, Gilman. Gilman. Who are the other two? Right. Phantom of the opera? Nobody wants to play as Phantom of the Opera.
1: Nobody wants to play as Phantom of the Opera.
0: So it would be, it would be it would, the number five would be Bride, right? I think you. I think you'd have to put the Bride in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's. Who are who are we missing? I feel like there's somebody. The Invisible Man.
0: The Invisible Man would be an interesting character to have in a side-scrolling beat beat em up. I mean, he'd
1: he'd be in his bandages and stuff.
0: I mean. Woody? Oh, Wolfman. Wolfman. Oh, right. The, the Wolfman. Marv Wolfman would be in there. Well, Marv Wolfman, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, I the, mean, I think we gotta go, like, the big two. Like, you're Dracula, I'm Frankenstein.
0: I've often said that about us.
1: That, yeah. The, <laughs> it fits.
0: <laughs> like, it do you would ever be think great. constantly, like I do, about the line in Monster Mash, about Dracula and his son? And how like that's the first appearance of Alucard?
1: It's not, <laughs> but because there was a movie called "Son of uh, Son of Dracula" before that, I'm almost totally sure.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the first appearance of Alucard.
1: "Son of Dracula," 1943. Uh but it is an interesting line in Monster Mash. Here's a question from Blue Sky from Edward Piss. I'm Edward, sorry. It's Edward Piss. Uh, Edward wants to know has there ever been a good 2099 comic? Uh
0: uh you count when the <laughs> X Men 2099 showed up in X Men 92. Um, yeah, dude, Punisher 2099. Punisher 2099 is good. Yeah. Punisher 2099 is literally like John Wagner and Pat Mills. It's a fucking stealth 2000 AD comic. Yeah. Like, everybody, and and look, you can, I recognize the fucking angle that I corrected. Like, if you see the, uh, the how old are you? 36. Caliber. That's my scan. <laughs> that's That's me scanning my copy of that comic for my blog, <laughs> by the way. Uh, But, like, if you didn't think they knew what they were doing, it's John Wagner and Pat Mills. Now, when Chuck Dixon takes over, obviously he does not have the satirical mindset.
1: It takes a dip, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't say the other 2099 books are all bad. Like, I mean, Ravage is
0: pretty bad. Ravage well Ravage weirdly enough is also John Wagner and Pat Mills but they're like Ra- working with uh with, with Stan Lee with Stan Lee so it's yeah. I think Ravage is better than you think it still ain't good
1: Yeah but like Spider-Man 2099 is not bad
0: Did I did I say my joke about Miguel O'Hara on the show after uh across the Spider-Verse came out
1: I don't think you did
0: That uh, that movie was really irresponsible for potentially exposing millions of children to the work of Peter David. (laughs) Get well soon. Uh,
1: I remember Doom twenty ninety
0: nine being interesting. Yeah, Doom twenty ninety nine is like almost good because like it's doing something.
1: Oh, that's a John Francis Moore
0: joint. Yeah, like a lot of those twenty ninety nine books are like weird. 2000 AD comics. Yeah. Which is very funny when you actually think about it.
1: Yeah. It, like, I I know this tw- the 2099 books have, like, a reputation of being kind of, like, goofy and bad. But they're not as bad as you remember, largely. They're not
0: as bad as Wizard Magazine would have had, you believe.
1: That's right, yeah. I think that's where their bad reputation mostly comes from um like they were a punchline for wizard magazine yeah but like and you know some of it was better than the rest certainly uh like i kind of don't remember what happened in hulk 2099
0: it's, you know what we don't tongue. have to talk
1: we don't have to talk no. about that book at all let's not no yeah uh, Written by somebody we don't want to talk about.
0: Yeah, I was gonna. I, I was trying to think if it was a, if it was an old GJ joint. Yeah, yeah. Let's not. Uh,
1: yeah, we don't have to talk about that book. But Punisher twenty ninety nine, we can agree, is the answer to this question.
0: Yeah, no Punisher ninety nine. Like the the until Chuck Dixon comes in, Punisher twenty ninety nine is actually like kind of a hoot. Because it is, Jake Gallows is a, like, Jake Gallows is having a rough time of it. Like, yeah. even more than Frank Castle.
1: From our Discord, Tales to Enrage asks, when was the last time you had some cocoa? Was it good? <laughs> did not,
0: did not think that's where that was going. <laughs> oh, hey Matt, when was the last time you had some yayo? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and was it good?
0: Uh, I don't know, probably like March. Cocoa season lasts a while here in uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's true. Uh, was it good? Yeah, I uh, I had some uh, abuelita, which is the, uh, like, it's instant cocoa, but it's like the spicy Mexican uh, cocoa. Yeah, good.
1: that's good stuff. It was definitely like wintertime. It was probably February-ish. That I had some cocoa, and it yes, it was good because I made it at home, and it was girardelli cocoa that I made with milk. So it was oh. it was nice. It Sorry, was a I nice. Know I was talking to John D. Rockefeller over here. That's right. I treated myself. I t- I'm not going to go through life anymore t- just drinking the cheap stuff. Like if I'm offered Swiss Miss, I'll take it. But like I I'm forty. I'm gonna have the nice cocoa. You
0: gotta it, you gotta treat yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh here's a question from Blue Sky from uh Barely Sushi. What makes a good comic book fight scene and who are some of the greats at making them?
0: It is almost I think all about pacing, like it is choosing the moments to skip and the moments to draw, yeah, and which which moments get the like the setup panel Because uh, it, 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 it's it's the it's the hits but it's also the moments between the hits that really do it, which I think uh uh Berserk is really good at. Yeah, Kentaro Miura
1: knows how to pace and show a fight in a comic book. The the thing for me is I I feel like fights in comic books serve a handful of different purposes. The fight itself can advance the plot. The fight can be a way for two characters to be in the same space so they can exchange dialogue, which advances the plot. Or it can be something that the creator puts in as, as filler, as like something cool to draw. And I think all of those are valid, actually. Like It sounded like the third one was the one I was ragging on. But I think all of those are a valid reason to put a fight scene in a comic book. What's important is, is it visually dynamic? Does it make the reader feel something? And can it be... Surprising or somehow innovative mm-hmm. like if if it is a fight for the sake of a fight, then it better look it better look fucking cool, yeah <laughs> if it advances the plot, that's not as necessary, but if it's just a fight for the sake of being a fight you got to come up with some visual jazz. Like,
0: yeah. I, I think a lot of it depends on what
1: the fight is there to accomplish.
0: Yeah, which I think I would say that when I think of, like, who who are the best people at drawing fights in comics, the people that come to mind are, are cartoonists, the writers who and artists.
1: Yeah, Stan Sakai. Uh,
0: yeah, Stan Sakai. Um, but, but I mean, I was thinking of Simonson, which Him is not too. to say that yeah. Simonson can't write a good fight scene and someone else draw it, you know? And it's not to say that, like, I think there's only one comic that John Romita Jr. wrote It was, like, an image book from the mid-2000s, uh, but he can draw the hell out of a fight scene. But, like, Walt Simonson, Simonson is, like, top five comics creators of all time and, like, top three fight drawing guys <laughs> fight choreographer artists yeah uh if only because of uh that issue of thor where thor fights the midgard serpent and every page is a splash page and thor hits the midgard serpent so hard that he breaks every bone in his own fucking body yes uh but like so like simonson stansakai draw draws incredible fights uh that like are so beautifully choreographed. Like you, you nailed that one. Frank Miller. Frank Miller draws good fights.
1: Yeah. Well the, the there's a similarity between Miller and Ramita. Mm-hmm. And they are often compared. There's a similarity between between Miller and Ramita where if they draw a character punching another character, it has weight and force. Yeah. You know like, what I mean? I don't... Like, like you see the impact and that, I think that is a key to drawing a comic book fight scene. If, yeah. if like, I'm not an artist, but if I was going to give advice for how to make a comic book fight look and feel like something, what I would say is don't show the hit Show the split second after, yeah, where the Uh, impact is felt.
0: I wouldn't say that they're like the best at drawing fights, but Alan Davis and Jim Aparo are like the best at drawing hits. Yeah, like because Aparo draws some. Aparo draws Batman with hands the size of fucking frying pans, and when he hits somebody, like. When Batman and a Jim Opero comic wreck somebody's shit, you always see that person and like their fingers are like splayed out, <laughs> like they are, they are like fucked, and I love that.
1: Yeah, I th- I think you're onto something there too. I mean, we're gonna bring this back to pro wrestling. In pro wrestling, the offensive move. It's good. I mean, it's meaningful for the offensive move to look good, but it's nothing if the opponent who is taking the move doesn't sell it. That is also true in comics. If you just yeah. show the punch, the offensive punch, it's meaningless. You got to show the person taking it fucking just being absolutely wrecked.
0: Yeah, that's right? the effect. Yeah. Uh Mike Parabek, uh RIP to a real one, was really, really good at that too. Uh but yeah, I would say like for my money, I don't think anybody does it better than Simonson. Uh Miura. Uh Akira Toriyama, honestly. Yeah. Does some pretty good ones. Uh it uh, and while we're on the the you know, manga tip, like Ichiro Oda, like the fights in One Piece are Beautiful. Uh like I said, uh that guy who's mean to that one dog and then Luffy hits him with the fucking Rainmaker? That's great. Oh, Danny Warren Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah, answer
1: is Warren Johnson that. now. I was about to say. Yeah. Um and and again, like daniel Danny Warren Johnson does that thing where it's like not the move at the second of impacts. But the split
0: second after. Well, the the magic of comics is that you can kind of do both. Yeah, if you're if you're good enough, and that's what Toriyama does really well. Because uh, Toriyama's fight scenes, you get like a lot of the like your eye is following the impact into the person who just got hit, and you know you get those great faces, and then. The way they're paced, you get like the people, you know, going through mountains and shit, and then you see them with the, like, the aftermath. But you, a lot of those panels, like, just unsurprisingly found this, uh, page on, uh, David Brothers, uh, website. But I mean, look at, look at this, uh, on a fourth letter. Look at this page of Vegeta kicking this dude in the face and like how you get the impact and the moment after in like you're getting the moment after, but because you see like Vegeta in the right pose with the explosion lines around the impact, like you get everything out of it. And also he's doing that thing with his fingers. He's doing that Jim Apero shit. No, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, you're not seeing the impact. You're seeing the,
1: immediate aftermath of the impact but you know what vegeta did because of his yeah. positioning
0: like the this is can it be, can be like a burst yeah show the aftermath yeah yeah that's
1: good yeah. i I'll, I'll put this in the show notes this this very panel or this very yeah. page
0: i gotta, uh, I gotta sit down and read more dragon ball um i know we had a rough time with that first volume but i just gotta believe yeah, I mean it starts out pretty rough, but Yeah. People have told we... me where to where to I should actually start uh with the, the world tournament arc. I do love a fighting tournament. But yeah. American comics, I would say Simonson, Daniel Warren Johnson are best at like staging actual like multi page, multi panel fights. Uh and then I'm sure there's like you know, I I've never read... I've never read Naruto. I've never read Bleach. I've heard those have some pretty solid fights in them. Uh, But, you know, Toriyama, Ichiroda, my my shonen manga, boys. (laughs) Uh,
1: Secretly a Summers on our Discord wants to know, do you like musicals? What superhero would be best suited for a musical?
0: Uh, I do not. I like
1: some musicals, but they have to be really good. Like, I, I'm I'm not against the idea of musicals. I got really I took a class in college about horror movies and musicals that made me see a similarity between those two genres that I had never thought of before. Interesting. And so I I I see a kind of a I, I, there, there's there's a, a potential in the musical genre that's that's really good, but sometimes they can often be bad. Um, but I, I look, sometimes they're transcendent, and I have said very recently, you can go to my Blue Sky account and look that the Mountain Goats album beat the champ should be a jukebox musical.
0: And I should write it. Agreed. I would love that personally. Uh, I, know, in... I I don't care for musicals. Um, I I admire. I I'm not trying to take them away from anybody. It's not that I don't think they should exist, but it is very much a thing where it's like this is not for me. Uh-huh. I think. Uh, yeah, and I think it's because the idea of the musical is that like when the emotions are so big that you can't say them, you have to sing them. But I have shonen manga and superhero comics, which is when the emotions are so big that you can't say them. You throw a fireball.
1: I, I find it surprising, though, that you say you don't like musicals when you love RRR as much as you do.
0: Yeah, but I would consider RRR more of a fight movie than a musical movie. But it is a musical. I like. I mean, yeah. I, look, I like a musical number. I like a good needle drop. Um. I do specifically not enjoy the the theatrical style, like the musical style of song, uh, like uh, the Andrew Lloyd Webber in particular, but also like other. I mean artists. that guy. That guy has kind of ruined musicals. <laughs> yeah, but like I also don't like. I hate the music from Rent. I I like I like the music from Hamilton just fine, but I'm not gonna like listen to it, you know, on my free time. Sure. Uh I'll probably listen to that version of the one song that has like Buster Rhymes in it cuz that's pretty good. Uh where more Buster Rhymes tells you you got to rise up, that shit's pretty pretty good. But like I I think the musicals that I have enjoyed the most are like Disney movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I
1: I just I I unfortunately I feel like when people hear a musical they think of the worst examples like those are the ones that immediately come to mind because that's what you've seen most and heard about most. But like, there's so many other good, like better examples that are just like, not your Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of things. And it's too bad that the bad is kind of the most visible. Um,
0: Yeah. But I mean, like, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't like Mamma Mia. Yeah, exactly. But I also don't think Mamma Mia's good.
1: Well, yeah. like, Like, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a great musical that you don't think of. Partially because it's about a rock band, and so you're like, of course, they're singing. But, like, that's a fantastic musical. As far as superheroes who would be best suited for a musical... Look, Spider Man would have been good. But we know what happened there.
0: Yeah, they should have just done they should have just done a stage version of Rock Reflections of a Superhero. They could have just done a stage version
1: of Sam Raimi's first Spider Man movie.
0: It's weird how much I don't like musicals and I do like concept albums.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, let's see. What other superhero would be a fit? I mean, obviously, Dazzler.
0: I'm genuinely surprised that the Batman one has never happened. The one that, like, you know, because there's been stuff for decades. Like Jim Steinman wrote a bunch of music for a, a Batman musical.
1: But Batman fans, and you know who I'm talking about, would hate who you're talking about me. No, no, I'm talking about you know who i'm talking about the people who all say like batman has to be gritty and realistic and dark and alone like all things that batman is provably not yeah <laughs> like
0: <laughs> people who forget that like batman was created in 1939 and robin was created in 1940
1: yeah um they would hate the idea of a batman musical probably like the the Batman singing,
0: what? What? What if there was a Batman musical, but Batman was the only guy who didn't sing? That would be wait, very funny. That's the Music Meister episode of Brave and the Bold. That's very funny. I just realized I came up with the Music Meister episode. <laughs> uh,
1: let's see what other superhero could be yeah, could could be in a musical, like. That whole gag on the Hawkeye show about the Avengers musical kind of ruined a lot of the those characters for that. I don't know. That's an interesting idea. I'll have to think about it a little more to uh, to come up with a good name of somebody besides Dazzler. Obviously, CJ Crawl asks, would you consider Garib Seamus cool or a fool?
0: I would say Garib Sheamus is more to the month. He is boy,
1: boy, you got him, you got him good, you got him good uh Matt parentheses boss dog <laughs> asks what would you happen to be looking for an excuse to talk about Star Trek for a few minutes
0: uh always
1: any 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 Star trek thoughts to share currently.
0: Uh, Chris? I'm behind on Strange New Worlds because I'm waiting, you know, AC and I watched that one together. because uh, we are we are we are bonded through Star Trek, not unlike James T. Kirk and, and Spock. But the the episode of the like I fucking love these episodic ass Star Trek episodes we're getting. Matt, have you watched any of Strange New Worlds season two? I haven't seen any of Strange New Worlds, period. Okay. There's an episode where Spock gets turned into a human. Okay. And, oh no, T'Pring's parents are coming to the Enterprise so they can have a fancy dinner and he has to pretend like he's still a Vulcan.
1: So it's a sitcom. It's it's, yes,
0: it's a full a sitcom. sitcom. It's so good. It is utterly delightful. Uh, <laughs> I love the, uh, the T'Pring... They have on that show, uh, she's just incredible in everything she does. Uh, but like, also, oh boy, they got playing Spock's really good too, and Anson Mount. Who? Anson Mount's a good-looking man. Just, just throwing that Black out Bolt, there. Black Bolt himself. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying Strange New Worlds. Uh, there's a couple episodes that are like very very dramatic, but the one that is just a full sitcom. Where, oh no, Spock has to pretend to still be a Vulcan while uh his fiance's parents come to, to the Enterprise is excellent. Also, the guy they have playing Kirk is really good. Uh I mentioned this, but it's it's so interesting to watch him because he's clearly playing Kirk. Like he's playing a character that exists. He's playing Kirk. But he's not playing Shatner, which is really interesting to see. Uh, And I don't know how that dude... Apparently Vampire Diaries was a masterclass, because that dude's nailing it. Uh, But yeah, I love Star Trek. Good for him. Good for him. Tell you what else I love, the Enterprise D and the Enterprise E. Enterprise E, best starship design. Sovereign class for life, baby. I think I've decided
1: that the – well, first of all, there was a Superman musical already. There
0: was. It was not good.
1: Yeah. But the superhero that I think would be best for a musical, best suited for a musical, full, straight up, shiz- Captain Marvel slash Shazam. Yeah. Like, that. that is the plot of a musical, like a child who can turn into a superhero. That's the one. Yeah. The Captain Marvel movies, or the Shazam movies, should have been musicals. Chris, I think we're out of time. That wouldn't be so dark, Matt.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Chris, I think we're out of time. So, thank you to everybody who sent us questions. If you sent us a question that we weren't able to get to, uh, sorry. Uh, Send us one next time, and and hopefully we'll get to it. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, find us on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Not really checking Twitter anymore, so I don't know what to tell you. We're there at warrocketpod, but we're not really looking at it. Uh, we also started a blue sky account at War Rocket Ajax. Dot uh, So uh, go follow that. The big place, though, to ask questions and to uh, get on board is our Discord. So get in touch with us on any of the places I just mentioned to ask for a Discord invitation, and we will uh, get you on if you're nice about it. Our website is WarRocketAjax.com and has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan repository of all the information you could ever need about WarRocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to MattDWilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social
0: medias. Chris, where can people find you? Hey, everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do. That's all for the show, everybody. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we did it. Answered some questions, had some fun. Talked about all the good times.
1: And Uh, next week, we'll be making some more good times.
0: We will. Now, you'll be here next week, Matt. So I guess we'll just record an episode live in my office. That's what we're going to do. That's exciting. That is exciting i uh you could not come up last year for my fortieth birthday, uh, which was totally fine uh i was I was bummed out about it, but not you know obviously I understood, but I am so glad that you are uh making the trip this year for my forty first i'm so happy uh that you can come up. I love seeing you, I love having you in town
1: yeah, and uh i I was bummed that I wasn't able to make it last year too, so Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to making up for it this year. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. So come back next week for the rare episode where Chris and I are in the same room.
0: Until then, everybody, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. So are abortion rights.
1: Drag is not a crime. And cops are not your
0: friends. But we love you. We love you. Yes!